We acknowledge the Aboriginal people of Victoria, the First Nations, and offer respects to Elders, both past and present. Welcome to a new podcast series for carers by Kinship Carers Victoria. A good night's sleep is vitally important for both physical and psychological health. This podcast focuses on sleep and what part that plays in kinship care well-being. Today we're speaking with psychologist Dr Melissa Weinberg, Honorary Fellow with the Deakin University School of Psychology. Melissa co-authored a 2012 report called The Wellbeing of Australians, Quantity and Quality of Sleep, as part of the Australian Unity Wellbeing Index Survey. Thanks for calling in today, Melissa. How does sleeping well or poorly affect your body's immune system and your psychological health? Look, it's a really important question and it's something that there's been a lot of research and a lot of background to. The whole area of sleep um, has has become much more much more relevant over the last sort of uh, 10, 20 years as we've, we've had more technology that allows us to understand better what, what happens when we sleep. So, you know, if you go back a number of years or a number of decades, you'd You'd have people thinking that, oh, we, we go to sleep at night, we fall asleep, um, we wake up, you know, six, seven, eight hours later and nothing's really happened in that time. Um, it's like everything just sort of shuts down. But what we now know is that even though our body rests while we sleep, uh, our brain is specifically active and there's a lot of activity going on in our brain uh, while we're sleeping. And that's really important for not only restoring our physical um levels of energy and all that sort of thing but more importantly from a psychological perspective it's during sleep that we're able to regulate our emotions to process information that's happened during the day and so um, if you're getting good quality and quantity sleep then you're much better faced every day to handle the stresses of day-to-day life and to get through um, feeling like you're on top of things and feeling in control. So how does sleeping poorly affect a person's ability to deal with their daily ups and downs in their life? So in a study that we conducted back in 2012 as part of the Australian Unity Wellbeing Index at Deakin University, we found that while most Australians were getting between seven to nine hours sleep, those who were getting below that, so those who were getting six or five or some even four hours sleep, they that was having a really big impact on their well-being. So they um, they were reporting levels of well-being that are below what we call the normative range, which is below sort of the optimum level. Um, so while while most people are getting good uh, the right number of hours of sleep, um, there are certainly some people who get um, who, who aren't able to achieve those high levels of sleep. And those people tend to be the people who also have trouble falling asleep. So they might take more than half an hour to fall asleep, and they might find that they're waking up you know, at least maybe three times during the night, um, which is quite a lot. We find that people who waking up during the night once or twice is perfectly normal and doesn't have an impact so much on your well-being. But once once you start finding that you're waking up three or four times during the night, then it has a big impact on your general quality of life, how you feel about your health, how you feel about what you're doing day to day. And so um, the the importance of sleep can't really be understated. So it's like a feedback loop. An anxious person has trouble sleeping and that lack of sleep makes them more anxious. 
certainly. And from from a practical perspective, you know, I work as a psychologist, and one of the first things that I often talk about with clients is what's happening with their sleep. You find that people who present with symptoms of anxiety or symptoms of depression or increased stress, sleep is the first thing to go. Um, they start noticing that they're not they're finding it harder to fall asleep. They're lying awake at night with anxious thoughts or worried thoughts, um, and they're they're then having disrupted sleep as well. So it is, like you say, a bit of a feedback loop where people who are um, struggling more and more more distressed will find it harder to get the good sleep and then not having the good sleep means that they don't wake up every day feeling refreshed and ready to go and so they start off almost on a bad foot or literally waking up on the wrong side of the bed every day. In this time of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a generally higher level of stress and anxiety. What can carers do to help improve the quality and the quantity of their sleep? Yeah, look, I think carers are in a unique position when it comes to COVID-19. We know from other research that the well-being of carers is generally pretty low. Um, And then you, you look at what carers are doing at the moment, which is usually that they're caring for people who will probably fall into the vulnerable groups. Um, of our population when it comes to COVID-19. So they might be caring for elderly people, people who have um, other chronic health conditions that make them immunocompromised. And so the impact on carers, um, you know, I, I, would, I would imagine that it would that it would be emphasised uh, during this period and that can that can have a big impact on on sleep. And so some of the some of the ways that we approach, I guess, how to how to manage sleep in these times, I guess we can think of it from uh, either a behavioural perspective, from an emotional perspective and from a cognitive perspective. And sometimes we need to go really basic with the behavioural stuff. Sometimes it's about making sure that people have a comfortable environment in which to fall asleep. So making sure you've got a nice pillow um, can go a whole a long way. Making sure that you're not getting light into the room, um, you know, in the um, uh, in any way from, from, uh, from coming in from outside. Um Sometimes people find that it's really helpful to have a shower close to bedtime um, just to help regulate the body temperature uh, before going to sleep. So those sorts of things are about setting the stage for for a good night's sleep. Um, the other thing that people can do from a cognitive perspective, so that's to manage if people are finding that they're lying awake at night with lots of thoughts and worries. A lot of people find it really helpful to have a notebook on their bedside table um, often our brain is lying awake, worried, and it's usually got to do with things that we might forget to do the next day. So writing things down allows our brain to say, okay, it's, it's out of my head, it's onto the paper, I'm not going to forget about it, I'm just not going to deal with it right now, I'll deal with it tomorrow. So writing things down, what's on, writing down what's on your mind, um, essentially it's called a brain dump, where you're just taking all the information from your brain and dumping it onto, dumping it onto a piece of paper. People find that to be very helpful. And then the other thing is in terms of if people are finding that their emotions are really um, uh, sort of highly strung at night, people often get um, anxious and agitated late at night when they should be calming down. So a lot of people will find that some controlled breathing or some meditation or mindful meditation can be really helpful um, to help them fall asleep at those times. A lot of listeners to this podcast are older people who may be looking after children and younger people. So what advice can you give them to help the children in their care sleep well? What we know about the recommended hours of sleep is that young people, children specifically, need more sleep than older people. Um, So it's important that they're actually able to have that 
be able to achieve those extra hours of sleep that they need. If you think about what we what we said earlier about um, the brain needing to do a lot of work um, while we're asleep, if you think about the rate at which children's brains are developing, um, that's the reason that they need more sleep because it's during sleep that their brains actually grow. So it is really important to ensure that children are getting good quality sleep and certainly in times of uncertainty, that's going to be really hard. So you might have heard that there's a lot of talk at the moment about routine, about trying to keep things predictable and regular and familiar, and that's really important when it comes to ensuring sleep um, for children and kids. Um, so making sure that there are patterns around it, that doing sleep for kids, a lot of it is about them feeling safe. So they need to feel safe enough physically to fall asleep and safe enough psychologically. And that means creating a routine around what they so they know what to expect they know what time they're going to sleep every night it might be that they read a book beforehand have a bath all of those things are about contributing to that sense of safety so that children can fall asleep and it's often it's often also worth noting that children will go through phases where they can't sleep um, for different reasons and um, and that that part of it is normal and I guess the job of the carer in that sense is to do the best that they can to create the conditions for them that are most conducive to good sleep. Can someone be sleeping too much? It is possible. Um, and what we found um, in the Australian Unity Wellbeing Index study is that having too much sleep um, has a big impact on your wellbeing as well. So people who get more than 10 hours sleep actually have much lower wellbeing. And the reasons for this um, a sort of, a sort of, it goes both ways. So one thing is that people who are sleeping too much might be doing so because they're not getting good quality sleep, and so they sort of need to continue that sleep period, trying to get that good quality sleep because they haven't been able to achieve it in the earlier hours of the night. Um, but the other reason might be that people who are sleeping for more than ten hours, maybe they don't have anything else to do. So it might be that they're unemployed. It might be that they. Um, don't really have a purpose day today and so there's no real reason for them to get get up and out of bed so um, it is important that we keep an eye on you know the, the number of hours and for most people or for most adults at least um, not seven and a half to nine hours is usually the optimal um, but um, but more than that can be harmful to your well-being so if someone's not sleeping well do you think naps are a good idea so I would say that naps are controversial um, I think the reason for this is that if somebody is having trouble going to sleep at night, uh, one of the reasons might be that they're not tired enough. And if they're napping during the day, then that might be detracting from their ability to sleep late at night. So what I would say usually is that if you're having trouble going to sleep at night, I'd first wipe out any of the naps that you're having during the day. Save sleep for bedtime. Um, save sleep for nighttime when it's dark, which is when our brain is used to sleeping. That said, if people are getting good sleep at night and not having not having any problems at night so I don't think there's anything wrong with a short nap um, during the day um, but you want to sort of look at it and like I said if it's impacting on your ability to fall asleep at night and there's no need to nap napping during the day is probably the first thing that you take out and as someone who knows this subject well Melissa how are you sleeping <laughs> look for me I because I understand the importance of sleep I I guess I put a lot into it. So my sleep is really important to me. I know that I don't function well when I don't get a good night's sleep. Um, that said, I also know that we can go, we don't have to get a perfect night's sleep every night. So, you know, if I have one bad night's sleep, um, you know, I sort of say to myself, well, what's the worst thing that happens if you get a bad night's sleep? You're tired the next day. 
So I think we need to also manage our expectations around sleep. We don't need to have a perfect night's sleep every night. But as long as most nights we're getting a good amount of sleep, um, and that also involves dreaming. So um, dreaming is an indication that we're getting good quality sleep as well. Um, some, even if they're bad dreams, um, you know, it doesn't matter. It's fine that we're getting good quality sleep. So I take I take notice of, you know, how, when I wake up in the morning, I dream. How long did I sleep for? Um, do I wake up feeling good? So I do pay attention to this stuff and I do try to uh, myself um, uh, make make allowances, I guess, and, and set up conditions so that I can have uh, a good night's sleep. So, yeah, that's, it's definitely something that's important to me. Um, and I notice as well that my mood is, is very much related to, to how much sleep and the type of sleep that I'm getting. So I do make sure that I get the right amount of sleep that my brain can perform at its best every day. And finally, if people are having trouble sleeping, where should they go for help? Okay, so the best place to start would be your local GP. Okay, so your GP can do a, do a, a proper assessment and understand, I guess, what's going on and they might refer you for um, to a different specialist depending on what the situation is. So it might be that they refer you to a psychologist. It might be that they refer you to a sleep clinic. It might be that the reason you're not getting sleep might have... Um, uh, might be because you're having trouble breathing during the night, which requires, you know, a different a different method to resolve. So there are lots of different avenues, but your GP is usually the first port of call. For more information on this topic and on care wellbeing go to the Kinship Carers Victoria website, kinshipcarersvictoria.org. This podcast series is made possible through funding provided by the Victorian Government's Department of Health and Human Services.